Jay, you have had probably one of the most incredible and unique journeys of any, any person I've met who is in your age demographic. Cause each person obviously has crazy stories if they're my age or if they're, you know, my parents age, but many of you two decades and then a, a hard pivot during COVID and now working with constant creative. I'm just really excited to ask you about like the, the insane transition that you probably went through in the last like two, three years after just almost maybe being mentally on autopilot for two decades. That's, I can only imagine how insane that actually is. It was insane. I think you need to meet more people. If you think my, <laughs> you say my journey is one of the most wild, that's not true. Uh, so, so go ahead and meet other people that have more crazy, wild uh, goals or whatever journeys than mine. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, like I met or found me you when I was 19, um, or no, 17, I was 17 years old. Uh, my basketball coach told me to work there and then I stayed there for 20 years <laughs> and had this opportunity to kind of lead this multi-million dollar company at the age of 24. Um, and I just loved it so much. It didn't. I wasn't, I was so fulfilled. I was just happy doing the thing, right. Growing within that opportunity. And I was so um, content. I'm very aspirational, but I was very content. I wasn't looking elsewhere outside of the bounds of whatever that opportunity provided. COVID forced me to, (laughs) I didn't have another choice. Nobody did. I mean, lock yourself in a room. You can't leave people um, and inspire people and and create things. Right. So this, so I did. (laughs) And I just, I've always been the type of person who just believes you can, you create your own journey, right? You create your own solution. If you don't have a solution in front of you, you make it happen. There's always a way. Uh, and I just stumbled upon a series of different opportunities post COVID for two to three years. And now working with Constant and two founders that I just resonated with. And together we're, we're building this thing to solve a problem for brands and agencies around the world. And here we are. Working with many of you, you, you say it taught, taught you a lot about inspiring people and really being able to understand how to lead others. Did you ever see yourself being able to bring that energy and harness it towards something else while you were in MiniU, or was that not even on your radar because of how how focused you were on where you were? Um, I think both are true. You know, like I think you, um, yes, in short, yes. I think I always knew I was going to move on. I, I didn't know when or didn't have an urgency. But I didn't imagine myself at the age of 60 standing at MiniU <laughs> doing all the things that we did at MiniU. Um, not that I didn't enjoy it, but I just knew at some point I was going to move on. And I think that those, I always believed that the thing I would move on to would be something that I own and lead, something that I've created myself. Um, and I didn't create constant creative, but it, I've met it at its early stages. It's three years young. Uh, and in, in the world of business, a company that's three years old is an infant. There's lots to figure out. There's lots to build. There's lots to try and fail and then learn from that and move forward. Uh, so joining them early on a leadership role gives me that opportunity to help make constant my own, not for me, but just have that, that portion of my life satisfied, right? Creating and building things, creating solutions, imagining something that maybe doesn't exist or could exist differently for now businesses that are producing content around the world. How did your relationship with work change when COVID hit and you couldn't be in person inspiring people like you were at Minio any longer? It was the worst. <laughs> uh, I think because I, 
you know, like you, right? Like we, we, you're a sociable person who likes to help people solve a problem, motivate them, uh, encourage them, challenge somebody. I like to do that with people in business, like ideas and solutions and people. That's what I like to do. And not being able to do that, I felt like I was constricted, right? Like I felt like I was stuck in my own skin and I didn't, I didn't have an outlet to accomplish those things. And I was, I was literally crawling in my own skin. So I just started to find ways to make that opportunity available to myself, find other people doing it, do it myself, uh, test things out. I, I did get two other opportunities after Menu within the university, uh, but it felt like work. And I like to work really hard and I like to work a lot, but if, but if, but it never, if it ever feels like work, that's not for me. And so I'm working harder probably than I've ever worked before, but but it's not work for me. It's recreation because I'm doing something that I enjoy and it's a challenge. Um, and I, to me, will never accept anything that doesn't feel like that. <laughs> if you're in that spot, you're not in the right spot because then you're now you have a job. And I don't think that we're humans. I don't think we should just have jobs. We should have passions and work that creates income because we all need money to live and do all these things. But it shouldn't feel like work ever. You mentioned the point about passion. I've felt honestly pretty conflicted on that subject over the last like year or so, because I've heard you hear advice from people say like, follow your passion and then the money will come. And then other people say, well, following your passion is stupid advice because, because eventually when you follow your passion, then, then that feels like work and it's, it's laboring and then you hate it and you don't want to spend time around it. So do you think that they're like, how have you, how do you interpret the advice around following your passion in the specific case of making sure that it doesn't become like a job? Yeah, it's a good question. I've never felt like I was doing something that I was passionate about to be, to be like work, not one time. I think if I think that my suggestion to someone who is doing something that they're passionate about, that is starting to become cumbersome it's starting to feel like it's, it's cumbersome to their to them to their own energy i would suggest to that person that they should probably think about boundaries like maybe they need different boundaries to contain when they devote their passion towards something and when they step out of it everybody needs breaks during the day at times of their lives for vacation whatever it might be there's different variations of break um but i i i do not believe that something that I'm passionate about will ever become like work. Maybe you need a new challenge. Maybe you need a new goal. Maybe you need a new space to execute that passion, a new group of people, a new environment, a new solution or something like that. But that maybe that's true, but you should always be doing something that you're passionate about always. And that your passions may change too, right? Like they evolve. Like there's no, there's no ladder. That's not a thing. I think people often think about their careers as one that is, there's this defined ladder. Like if I get in this lane, I'll get the next job and then the next job and the next job and climb this ladder. Um, I think that now stepping outside of the ladder, because I did that, right? I jumped in and climbed the ladder real quick. And then I jumped out and went like, whoa, there's no ladder. <laughs> like it's it's fluid. Like it, your journey is going to change. So you just got to do, make the next right decision for you. And then that, you never know where that's going to lead you, right? I, I had no idea content creative existed 
Um, and that's what I'm, that's the journey I'm on right now. And it might be for a long time, but I don't know. <laughs> I just know it feels good today. And so I want it to feel good forever. So it's, it's up to me to kind of navigate that with the people that I'm working with. Um, there's no, there's no ladder, right? <laughs> so I think it's just moments of pause, right? There's lots of moments of pause to reevaluate and shift and make next right decision for you. And you just don't know where that's going to go. One thing I heard when it comes to finding your passion is if you have things that you're good at, then you can become passionate about them. And that, like you said, if as things evolve, your passions can change and it doesn't have to be stuck necessarily to one thing. And I think the boundaries thing is, is so key. Like if I reflect on experiences I've been through or from conversations I've had with other people who seem to have lost passion, I don't think I've actually ever thought about that the specific instance of like you, you, the boundaries are broken or you didn't have boundaries in place. And then what happened was everything just blended together. And, and then the things that weren't your passion or that you didn't like eventually just kind of contaminated what you did feel passionate about in the first place. Totally. I, I, I think the boundaries thing is a, is a huge element. I love my wife and children, but I do not want to be around them 24 hours of the day. (laughs) If you did, if you did that, Yo, like, I'm a little tired of this right now. Does that mean I don't want to be a husband and a dad? No. But there are boundaries in which I become a dad and boundaries in which I am the husband, right? So it's the same with work. It's the same with everything that you do is compartmentalizing your, your energies and being fully committed to that moment, that portion of yourself which is different than when I go to a bomber game and have beers with my buddies like that. Those are different things and all things contribute to your happiness. Right. So, and, and all, and that combination of things changes all the time. There is no solution. The solution is that you're managing all those compartments that make you happy and fulfilled and give you money and give you love and joy and all these, all this stuff, right. Those change all of the time, all of the time. So I think that, for me, like I'm not an expert at this because it always changes. But if I were to help someone or advise someone or coach someone, the earlier you can learn how to identify the pieces that you need, what are your anatomical pieces that make you happy? Number one, that's the thing. What do you need today? Number two, how do you manage getting access to those? How do you get become fueled by those pieces? And then also, how do you manage them in a day or a week? If the better you are at doing those three things, the happier you're going to be, I think. Now, it doesn't mean it's always going to be easy, right? Because after COVID, I was like, holy, holy shit. I don't know what my anatomical pieces are, really. I was happy, but I didn't know what they were. And I didn't know how to access each piece in a different way because that experience was holistic. I loved everything about that it was. It, it, it fueled me without me even understanding why and how I was doing so. When it was gone, I had to figure out what was that? What, what actually am I fueled by? And now how do I go seek out those different opportunities? Now that's really mathematical and it's not quite that easy, right? Like you're not going to sit down and be like, I'm going to fill this formula and here we go. Uh, and then I'm going to LinkedIn search for those things and it's fulfilled. Like it's not like that. Um, but understanding those things help you find it, I think, if that makes sense. Yeah, like 
when it comes to the work you do at mini you like, yeah, you're working with kids and the things can be really hectic, but you're inspiring lots of people. But then when you work with constant creative, like you're working with a different, different demographic, but you see and feel the same energy of helping others and creating solutions. And then, and then once you kind of like put together the dots, then you realize, oh, it isn't very formulaic in terms of like searching on LinkedIn and doing all these things. But at the same time, you start to figure out what it is. And I guess the, the unfortunate reality of being a human being is that it takes time and it's not just some instantaneous, let me find it out. And you just go and search on a catalog or on Google or something. That's right. And it, it often takes friction in order to discover that. What's motivating you or what causes you to go find and discover that for yourself? If you're happy, there's no moment in time that, that says, Ooh, define that because you, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen. So it causes friction, pain, resistance, challenge, defeat, failure. Those are the things that cause those moments in time for you to do it. And then leaning into that moment, I think, is what gets you out. Because if you avoid it, then you're just going to contract. And I'd be at some job at the university that I would hate. No, <laughs> for me, right? But I think a lot of people avoid that friction and that moment of discomfort. And I think I would suggest the opposite. You have to lean into your deficiencies or lean into this moment, um, which causes you to learn and grow, as painful as it is. Why do you think people lean away from that? Because it's easier. Avoidance is easier than tackling something head on because you're, you know, when you're lifting something you have never lifted before, you can't lift it. <laughs> Initially, you have to build resistance and growth to that. So in order to do that, it requires effort and failure. Some people are maybe not be willing to do it. And, and there may be some things that you're not willing to do for it, but that's for all of us to figure out. And it changes based on time, right? Would I do this when I'm 70? I don't know. Probably, probably. <laughs> because I don't think I'll ever stop. But like, you know, the priorities change. So then in those anatomical pieces and all the things that I need are going to change when I'm 70. I don't know. What are some of the things about being a parent and having lots of kids have taught you about like what is important to you in work and how you manage your life? Because people always say once you have kids and it just like... The, the iron doors behind you shut and you've now entered a new stage that you can never, ever go back. You know, you never can, can go back yeah. from. It's funny. I actually, someone asked me this question over Twitter. Okay. Um, like a couple of weeks ago and he's about to be a dad. He, was, he kind of asked the same question and I just rattled off an answer, but I, after I wrote it, I was like, Oh man, I actually think that was the right answer. <laughs> um, I think that, um, well, the first thing as a parent, your whatever you need, whatever time that you had, you now have 10% of that. So everything that we just talked about, you need to figure out how to accomplish that in 10% of the time that you would have if you had 100% of the time. You do not have kids. You're doing that right now. You have 100% of your time is yours. I now have 10, 10% because everything else goes towards that. <laughs> so, okay. So now that's, that's, now that's understood. I need to figure out how I can accomplish all the things that are important to me in 10% of the time. So now that you might have ditched some stuff, you know what I mean? Like I can't do it all because I got less time. Um, so really having a strong understanding, be able to do it and then make sure that I still get the things that I need in that 10% so that I'm still good. Uh, I think that's, that's the key. And every time you figure it out three months later, you got to change it again because the kids needs change so much that there's no long-term solutions are not to think. 
being the dad is the long-term thing. And, but every three months, it requires a different combination because the schedules change, the needs change, the priorities change for them. And therefore I still have this sliver of 10%. And for me, I go to the gym between three and five o'clock every day, no compromise. That's, that enables me to separate. So boundaries and these to separate my work day. I go lift weights to clear my mind, get new energy so that I can go home and get people juice after they've asked for juice and then complain about the juice and then want milk. And like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It gives me the energy to be able to have be patient for that time as a dad. If I do not do it, work is, is impacting my ability to be a dad negatively because I'm just tired. Right. So that works for me. Right. I need the wedge. I need the break. Not that I'm not still thinking about work, but passively and my mind is ready to do it. So you got to figure out how that works for you <laughs> and then change it every 90 days. The, the working out thing is, is so massive. I, I truly think it's probably one of the most underrated things that that adults with kids can, can have as a part of their life. And you don't necessarily have to be like a fitness trainer or anything like that, but the, the, the mental clarity, the leading by example, the time to yourself, like all those things, I think just, if I could create like big billboards and put it out there and say, parents, like lifting weights will not take away your time. It'll give you more of that sliver of the 10% of time that you think that you have back. It makes me prepare to be a parent and handle all of the things that young children do. And it's really, really hard. Like leading thousands of children at the university and through a program and all this was way easier than being a dad of three. Both are very hard, but being a dad of three, top dog, way harder. Like it's, but yeah, it's not easy. Getting to the car is hard, right? <laughs> so, like, so you better be ready to be patient. Yeah. Yeah. You got, you got, just got to be in Zen mode. And, and I think that's, I mean, like, have you always been someone who's just worked out like since you were, you're young or was it something that you didn't get into until you got a bit older? You know, I played sports for days. I could play sports with you for days, hours and hours and hours. But working out at the gym by yourself, no, I didn't. It took me to like probably truthfully till 25 till I really started to discover that. And to be honest, even right before we had our third child, I was like, I need to do something. Like, because I, I was feeling the weight of that. Uh, and that's when I decided I'm, I'm most tired of the day between 3 and 5 p.m. And I used to work out in the morning because that's just my... I wake up and I go, um, but I strategically put it right in the time where I was my shittiest and it was the hardest thing, but I did that. And now it's the best thing because I'm literally, I'm tired and I'm tackling that with working out, right? Like it's, instead of taking it out, I insert it with something that gives me more energy. And that it was a game changer for me. Well, understanding when I'm dumb and then throwing a workout right at that time was an amazing result for me i'm sure you can only imagine like the the amount of increased energy that you get when you're spending time with kids like even even when like just for any person like if you before you go and work out you're like oh man i don't want to do this and this is blah 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 and uh, that can have those thoughts can come up a lot of the time and then when you after you work out you're like wow all of a sudden i feel like i want to go and paint the house and you know put the team on my on my back and do all these things And, and solve all the problems I just discovered today at work. And, you know, like it's just, it's a, it's a moment of clarity and energy. And without it, I'm not as, if, I'm not as smart. 
<laughs> I'm not as ready. <laughs> and, so what, what was it specifically though, that like actually injected that into your brain when you were 25 or like, you know, I should probably start doing this rather than just like only playing sports. Um, that's a good question. I, I, I'm not sure. I think it was just more of like, I, I you play sports less and less and less, right? Like high school carries this need for you to play sports. And then afterwards it might linger a little bit, but eventually your, your friend groups and all these things change. Um, so you're more on your own, right? Over time you become, I have a big friend group, don't get me wrong, but, uh, you become more on your own. You can be more independent. You have less of a group that you do things as a group. Um, and, and I think just going to the gym and figuring that out by myself was, it just kind of discovered, I was also working at a gym. So it was right there. Um, so I think it was an easy, not an easy transition, but it was kind of a natural progression of life. I think over time, eventually you're on your own. Even if you're married, you have friends, whatever, you're still on your own at the end of the day. You have to figure out how you can control yourself and your own energies and your minds and what's important to you. So it worked for me. It makes me think of that, uh, that chart with the, it shows the amount of time that we spend with all the different people in our lives. And I, it's been shared by lots of people like Sahil Bloom is a guy who has shared it like five or six times I've seen the last year. And not that the, the, the idea is original to him, but he's someone who's really been a champion of it where it shows like time you spend with your parents, time you spend with your wife, time you spend with your, your grandparents, your kids by yourself. And the, the chart shows time you spend by yourself goes up over time and the time you spend with your parents goes down time you spend with your kids goes up and then down. And then the time you spend with your partner also rises. So, you know, cherish the memories. I, I, th- I think that was one of the things. And it also talks about how you need to be comfortable being alone. Sure. And that goes back to the ideas of doing things that you love. If, if, if you don't love it, like, why are you doing this? <laughs> Nobody it's on you. Like literally no one cares about you. And that, that's not a negative sentiment. It's, it's actually, to me, that's one to inspire you to just think about yourself, right? Like no one's thinking about you. So you might as well be happy with yourself and what you're doing. And also the amount of time you spend with people who are coworkers and doing your work increases <laughs> as you get older. So you better be working with people you like and respect and trust, right? I don't want, I'm not interested in working with people I don't trust. Not one second. Or enjoy and want to solve problems with or go to battle with we're going to fail at something you want to do that with someone who's a jerk or someone who you respect and say no we can we can do this let's figure it out there's always a way i'm gonna look at you i respect you i trust you we're gonna figure it out let's do it let's fail on the next one eventually we don't quit we will succeed so you might as well do that some of you who's going to do that with you you don't want to do that with someone that you think is going to bounce you i not of interest to me. Now you're just an employee. <laughs> I, that's I, not for me. No, that's, I mean, when you look back in your twenties, like when you look back to 20 year old Jay, like what are some of the things that you would tell yourself now in hindsight or tell maybe just any 20 year old in hindsight as to what it is that they can do to, to prepare themselves for when they get to, you know, these crossroads in life of whether it's having a family or changing careers, the relationship with work changes kind of like you've experienced because there isn't really a roadmap for many people, but there are, I think things that are, are timeless pieces of wisdom. Oof, that's a big question. Uh, <laughs> I think I don't, 
what would I tell myself? I would tell, I would tell myself or anyone in their twenties to, to, to do everything we just talked about. I have no regrets about what I did. I always felt like I wanted to do something I was passionate about. I always wanted a challenge. I always wanted to work with people that I loved and respected. Um, and that I had fun with, right? Like, um, and I think that you you should never compromise on your own. Th- those are goals of mine. And I know that people might have different goals. Don't compromise on your goals ever. If if it feels like you have an opportunity to achieve those goals with the opportunity and the people around you, then you you pursue that for the time being. When that moment, when that doesn't exist, you lift your head and figure out what else is going on. And where else can that opportunity exist for me? Uh, and that doesn't, I mean, I'm a committed person. I was at Muni for 20 years. I intend to be with Constant for a long period of time. Um, but those the moments in between, I was bouncing because I was trying to discover the goal, the opportunity, the challenge, and the people that I wanted to work with. And, and that has to fail a few times before you get it right. Um, and, I, and I think you, how do you get it right? I, I don't know. You have to try it you have to have conversations like this. This is how I found constant. I had one conversation, a 15 minute conversation with a guy named Nick Shackelberg and we just vibed. <laughs> and, and, and I had no expectation of that conversation, but that just ended up becoming something else because we just pursued it. So yeah. continue to pursue, right? Pursue, understand goal, pursue goal. Don't, don't compromise. That's, that's it. Be respectful, find people you love. We're playing funny games like Hermosi says, right? There you go. Like, this is a game for me. Like, I enjoy this. Like, this is leading business, creating business, working with people. Like, that's that's recreation for me. It feels like the video game. Um, and so if I was doing that with people who did not feel that way, so example, the people that work at the University of Manitoba, they do not feel that way. <laughs> not everyone. I can't speak for everyone. But the people I work with didn't didn't have that same passion and therefore it's not a fit for me. We're not going to grow together. So for those reasons, I'm out. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. And, yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. No judgment, right. That works for you. That works for the people, for whatever, those people that felt that way there, that works for them. That's okay. No, no judgment. They're, they're satisfying what I hope to be their goals. Mine are different. So now I want to be surrounded with people who have similar goals to me and passions and values and that kind of thing. Were you someone that ever got into like personal development as you, as you moved, moved up the ranks in mini or did I? Yeah. What do you mean by personal development? What do you mean? Like, I don't know. Did you ever like, I guess it was, maybe it was, it was before a lot of it was probably before the age of social media, but as the age of social media has really started to rise, like one of the things that people talk about in the space is surrounding yourself with the inputs and kind of, even if it's not with people physically, but like what you consume, being conscious of what it is that you surround yourself with to make sure that it's inspiring and uplifting towards your goals rather than consuming negativity or the news or things that make you feel fear and like nothing is is possible. Yeah. Interesting. You say that because when I was in that particular role, uh, we had two, 300 employees serving thousands of people in person um, doing multi-million dollars of sales on, on an annual basis. Um, I, in terms of consuming content, my goal was to create a bubble and a world that was so positive that it was the content I wanted to consume. The community and the team that we built, the organization that we built together, and you're part of that and everyone else that worked there, 
became part of that and had an impact on that culture. That was the, that was the content I was consuming. It wasn't through social media. It was just through live time. I was not interested in all of the other things out there. I am now because that the world's different, right? Like I, I stepped out of the bubble. I built a bubble and it was so freaking awesome. And any problem that happened, we, we managed within the bubble and we did that together. And that was my education. Like I, I will always believe that my, that opportunity I had at the university was my education for business um, and whatever leadership roles that come after that. It, the opportunity itself was where I learned. It was not in a classroom or in a book or on Twitter or on some short form video shared on the reels or a tweet or a thread. Like, sure, there's diff- those are good inputs, I think, sometimes. Uh, it makes you go, huh, and then you move on. Um, but that opportunity was living education. And so, so um, now I have to surround myself through the internet or Zoom calls with those, whether through employment working at Constant Creative or partnership or prospective clients or whatever it might be, that's a different different space now. So how do you achieve that in those open-ended inputs? Um, it's still you, I still think you want to, but it's more open, uh, whereas before it was a very contained bubble. Yeah, education through live practice. That's that, uh, like... When you say that, when you, the, this word, the bubble, I always think of like the NBA bubble and <laughs> specifically, and one of the things that actually relates about the NBA bubble to what you're talking about is like, it was the peak of true basketball. There was nothing else, no distractions. You stayed in a hotel, you woke up, you ate, you worked out, you played basketball. That was it. And then people were like, man, why are the heat so good? Or why was this team so good? And, and that was fake, but no, like that was real. That was just pure concentrated basketball, nothing yes. else. And you see the results of that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And and now um, because there's no bubble, um, like for example, we're, we're implementing so much change and development at constant creative. There's tons of growth opportunities through this, this space. Um, and I'm really excited to achieve those. And in order to, to get feedback, because I'm not in a physical space with people, I'm just inviting people to give me product feedback. Look, look, I don't want your business. I mean, of course I do, but uh, I just want your feedback. What do you need? I want to learn about exactly what they need as a marketer or as a CEO or as a founder or as a content creator and listen to them and show them what I'm trying to build and then make alignments. And if something's missing, I'll just go build the solution. (laughs) Over time, you would think that that solution will end up serving them, right? In the way that they want, Um, hopefully at the right price for a long-term relationship. And, you know, there's shared value there. The company, Constant Creative, will benefit and so hopefully, so should they as a client. But that just reaching out to people and say, hey, you have 30 minutes, let's talk. Um, for no intention other than to just get feedback and share ideas. That's my new little tiny bubbles, right? Everywhere. We can just jump on a call like this, talk about business. I have no obligation to talk about someone's product that they're selling, but I got ideas of what I think might be good or bad. And just having that entrepreneurial discussion, helping each other out, sharing ideas, just a good brotherhood or whatever it might be. Um, Good people doing good things with open open to ideas, trying to trying to solve problems relentlessly. Those are the people we want to hang with, right? Like whether it's for a 50 minute Zoom call or long term, right? We don't know. But that's that's what we want to do. Yeah, that's the the world of Zoom, I think, is can be very exhausting for people who have to use it all the time. But I think it's in like the energy that you use 
when it comes to Zoom. I, I remember when talking with university professors, like, oh man, I've just been on seven Zoom calls all day and this is crazy and exhausting. I'm like, well, but that's the same energy that you're carrying from when you're going to seven meetings in a day in person. So it's not necessarily that Zoom is horrible. It's just that what is the energy that you're carrying in those meetings and what is the the flow of it compared to when I talk with people like yourself on Zoom, like I'm super excited as if I'm there, you know, there with you. But if you're sitting there and dragging your feet because let's have the same repetitive thing over and over each week or just say, oh my goodness, when's this going to end? Yeah, it's interesting because when I shifted from, I think culture is really important to me. I also think culture is really important to business and it ends up resulting in monetary value. But more importantly, it ends up in resulting in really quality work. Um, and also just makes you feel good to be a part of. So to be honest, like, I just think it's really like, that's a really important piece to the puzzle, which many entrepreneurs don't understand because they haven't yet understood and seen a large, large company. So I'm coming from the opposite direction where I came from a larger group and now building one, as opposed to many entrepreneurs start with nothing and then they build and then they, they're kind of caught with this moment in time where they're leading a company. So when I first arrived at Constant, one of the things in my mind was like, how can you translate this? positive culture in person to a remote space. And, and it's a challenge. My answer to that is replicating the human interaction off the cuff during the day, right? So when we need to collaborate or solve a problem or laugh or uh, roll our eyes at something, we immediately jump on a huddle, whether through Slack or a quick Zoom call. It's, it's unplanned. It's not on the calendar. It's like, you free? Free T- FTH, you free to huddle? <laughs> And the answer is yes. I got 15. All right, cool. Jump on. It's the same thing I would do with you if I saw you in the hallway and you had a rough moment in the day. We would laugh. We would talk about it. We would solve it. And then we'd laugh about it. And be like, hey, see you later. You, do, you just have to recreate that. You cannot, it cannot be done through type. It does not work. There's no human interaction. So collaborate, solve problems, uh, and laugh or roll your eyes to something on the screen, then jump off. That has a purpose. The purpose is to create human connection and People work for human connections and the result is going to be better if we do that. Um, but it's hard. It's, it's definitely different. I don't get to pass you in the hall and give you one of these and it means something. Um, but but being intentional to create that for the purposes of higher performance, good solutions, and eventually financial gain, that's, it's worth it. But it's all those little pieces. Those are little hairs that, that eventually result in something, right? Absolutely. That's, you gotta, you gotta make do with what you have. And when you do work like this without having to physically be in person, then it really changes and forces you to not even think about the box. Like you just have to like completely reinvent what it is you're doing. And I think it's, there's a book called it's like 10 X is easier than two X. And one of the things it talks about is like, why you want to strive for 10 X is so that you're forced to reinvent your systems and not just say, well, we just need to work hard and we just need to have yeah. a pizza party to, to, you know, to, mm. to, you know, shush our employees. And like scheduled hangs over zoom. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Right. Like problem solving, trying to meet a deadline, uh, jumping on a call at 11 PM, be like, hold on one sec, dude, you're in India or you're in Vancouver or you're wherever you are in Paris. I'm going to get a beverage. We're going to jump on this call. I don't care if it's 11 PM. We're going to jump on this call. We're going to solve this problem for the next 20 to 30 minutes. And then I'll see you tomorrow. That's, that's, that's real scheduled pizza, happy hour on Friday from one to two where we're 20, 60, hundred people on a zoom screen. That's nothing. It's flat. 
<laughs> nothing happens. There's no human interaction, right? You're it's a hundred people interacting with one person. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't. No, that's, I don't know if I could have said that better myself. The The amount of energy that I receive from, from you whenever we chat, is just like, <clears throat> you know, like just really bolts you up because I think the, the, the biggest thing to me that, I really take away from your experiences is like that culture matters, like culture matters so much sports, business, whatever, you name it. You look at teams, a good culture, whether it's in business or on the field or in the court success is inevitable. You look at teams with bad culture. don't care if you got the most talented roster in the world. It's, it's not going to be sustainable. It doesn't work. And I think that from a career perspective, being able to articulate and quantify culture's impact on finance, talent, retention, marketing, uh, operations, efficiencies, satisfaction, being able to, to tie in that, that word that is really abstract culture to how does that correlate to those metrics? If you can do that well early and have evidence of your work being able to do that, then you become very valuable or potentially very valuable to said company or thing that you're trying to do. But being able to quantify that is a challenge for people. Often leaders or founders or CEOs, most in my experience, which was a surprise to me stepping out of menu, may value culture, but do not see it as a financial benefit. It's, it's, they see it as a cost because it's effort that doesn't have a financial quantifiable measure. If I do one hour of a pizza party, which you shouldn't do in the first place, what what's what value does that give us in, from a sales perspective at the bottom line? It, it can't be measured that way. So it's our job for people who do, our leaders who are passionate about that, who have an understanding of its impact, to break it into pieces and have it correlate across those metrics differently. Well, it's just a yeah, it's that's it is a challenge. It's uh. The intangibles are are the things that oftentimes are the most important. Like those are the fine details that really matter. And you can't quantify it now, but yeah, you got, you got to. When somebody experiences that and sees the metric rise, you can't unknow it. No. They will never forget that. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, but it's, I, I think it is a, it is a very challenging um uh, point of execution and then point of communication in terms of internal sales and internal marketing, personal marketing. Um, but once you get that, whew, opportunity might follow you. Absolutely, yeah. Once, once, once you you see the 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 when you see the light and you realize that it, you can't unsee it, then you got to just you got to follow it, or it's just going to keep burning away at you. And it takes time to build. And so that's the other, that's the other element is um, finding people who are patient enough to see all of those things come together. How do we bring all of those anatomical pieces into alignment? And once they're in alignment now, the system is rolling, right? And at some point, uh, at one point at Minion, we were extremely efficient, the biggest we've ever been, and I was bored. <laughs> so uh, not negatively bored, but bored because it was operating so efficiently that the thing didn't need me to be successful. And that's the goal. The goal is for it to just be totally self-sustainable and for me to observe from a far high end and see where I can push it next. That, that's always going to be the goal. 
So now I got to do it again. <laughs> in progress, right? So it's in, it's in progress. We're bringing a con- the constant creative, which is an infant three years old, three years old, into a space where it can grow and become into into that entity that is more well defined and more established. Um, so my current challenge is to recreate that in a different space. Um, and we're well on our way already. I've already only been this in this role for less than a year, uh, and there's already lots and lots of indicators pointing that it'll come. It just need more time to continue building. Jay, I'm really glad that you've been able to join me on today's podcast. I'm, I'm really grateful that you could share your, your wisdom to your 20, to your 20 year old self (laughs) and (laughs) the, the constant wisdom that is growing as you continue to evolve, because it's, it's a never ending process. It literally is just, it's infinite. It is an infinite game. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to, to, to be with you. Um, I have so much respect for you. I see you as this person who's going to lead and inspire and motivate people for the rest of your life. I, I, I want to watch you continue to grow. If I could be at any assistance or helpful at any point in time to, to help you along the way or do that with you along the way, I will always say yes. Um, I don't consider myself to be wise, but I consider myself to be passionate and someone who wants to help others. So uh, that's why I'm here. And I hope to always be there and, and as an option for you as you, as you continue to go forward. No, I appreciate that a lot. That, that always, that does mean a lot to me. And I know from someone who, who has inspired me and has the passion and energy that I carry. That's, it's such an important thing to have that, that synthesis of, of passion and energy. I, there's, there's quite honestly nothing quite like it in the world. When two people are just like on the same page when it comes to the energy that you share, it's, it's, um, it's more dangerous than dynamite. Amen. I agree. And uh, our paths will continue to cross. And eventually, who knows, maybe we'll be doing a podcast together at some point, hosting one together, teaching about something. Who knows? Write the future, like Nike says, right? That's right. Make it happen. If there's always a way. If you want something, make it happen.